consider yourself as a 12-year-old kid who gets really excited about really cool deep tech things like a new toy on Christmas Day, then you're in the right place. This podcast is going to cover different topics in deep tech, quantum, life sciences, laser beams, transformers from a different planet, anything around tech we're going to cover and maybe even dive into some sci-fi style things because sci-fi and tech at some point will become the same thing. We'll maybe throw in some less specific episodes around badass billionaires and ideas that we have for the space. So my name is AJ and Long. My name is Long. Do you want to talk about why we're doing this? Well, I think, I mean, we've always been interested in deep tech. We both come from, you know, physics backgrounds, high performance computing, you know, things that are not necessarily something you could just spin out into a company by yourself with one laptop. And I think we've both also seen big gaps between the technology that's being researched and developed inside universities and, you know, what actually makes it out into the entrepreneurial world and turned into industry. Uh, but then at the same time, you've seen investment in deep tech go from 15 billion to 60 billion in the last four years. So it's clearly, you know, an emerging space, but I also am not satisfied with the amount of content that's out there about this kind of uh, this kind of stuff. Yeah, I think the content is either too big brain where most of us, like myself, don't understand what's going on, or it's oversimplified to the point where, you know, you get to talking about distributed computation systems and go all the way down to NFT trading where it's just like selling gorillas and things like that and no one really understands the underlying tech. So I think we want to do a bit of a middle ground, right? Yeah, I think that's what we're aiming for here. Do you want to talk a little bit about yourself and your background and why you're worthy to be my co-host? Oh, I don't think anyone is truly worthy to be your <laughs> co-host, AJ, but <laughs> I'll do my best. Okay, so uh, my background is in computer science. I studied at the Australian National University, specialized in high performance computing, did a lot of work with supercomputers, built some programming languages, custom designed for supercomputers. And then in 2017, I did a classic university dropout move and co-founded my own startup in the Web3 space. In fact, I co-founded two and ran and operated those over the last five years. And then in 2021, I started my own biotech company. And so I've, you know, been through the, the path of being a deep tech entrepreneur, working in commercial R&D, working in open source. I now dabble in investment, especially surrounding deep tech, and also some philanthropy to encourage and, and make possible more deep tech research within universities and, and encourage those to actually become entrepreneurial as well at the same time. Yeah, amazing. I, I think you're qualified. I'm <laughs> very happy to be your co-host for this podcast. I guess on my end, I went from, you know, rank one in theoretical physics in my university to rank last just because I started doing entrepreneurship halfway through, right? And so I went from academia to moving into direct-to-consumer sales and things like that. And actually, I spent a lot of my time doing technical product management for various different companies. And so I think what I've become personally, what I think I'm good at at this point is taking really complicated procedures and processes and making weird analogies and explaining it to non-technical people. So, you know, I've done this for companies across the board. They fly me out. I get called to talk about quantum computing, blockchain, AI, sometimes getting fly flown to China, talking to a bunch of businessmen about homomorphic encryption methods, which I basically had one week to research and figure out what that meant and then <laughs> delivered a presentation on it. So, yeah, I, I've got really good at being pseudo-technical. So that's what I'm going to bring to the table. You ace are talking shit about tech. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I'm not a CTO, but I think I could hold my own against one. So that that's what I'm hoping to bring to the table. Yeah, and I'm 
good at the exact opposite, making things that are already complicated and smart sounding even more complicated, <laughs> needlessly smart. <laughs> so why we work? How did we meet, AJ? So we met. How did we meet? Oh, I, I came to work for your company. That's, that's, that's right. how we met. You were yeah. a community manager. Yes. <laughs> explaining Gigabrain moves. I think the cool the, thing about that was Ty, your co-founder, brought me into the company, gave me a white paper that you guys wrote together, which he basically said, read the white paper and you start in 30 minutes. And I was like, cool. So <laughs> I spent that entire night reading through the white paper, highlighting every single part of it, and then started answering community questions like I knew exactly what was going on. And then Ty woke up in the morning and he was like, wow, you actually, you, you kind of know what you're doing. Like, you know what? Just keep going. Like, <laughs> I won't even interfere. Take the community stuff. And yeah, it was, it was a pretty fun experience. So I think that was like one of the experiences where, you know, was thrown in a deep end for deep tech and then just had to sort of explain it to 30,000 community members that, you know, didn't understand what a dark pool was or like, you know, how the virtual machine worked and all that kind of stuff. If it makes you feel any better, we wrote that white paper in about 48 hours. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but you iterated for, what, three years, like making the Four. perfect product, right? Yeah. Four, yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Well, look, I thought it was a good intro episode, but I really want to hear, let's just do like three rapid fire, like what are we super curious about? And it could probably preface some of the episodes that people can expect to hear from us. So um, do you want to go one by one? We'll, we'll list one and then why we're excited about it. So I'll let you start. All right. I am super excited by quantum simulation, um, which means simulating the properties of matter in software. Uh, the reason I'm super excited by it is because, you know, quantum field theory, quantum mechanics is really the basic rules of, of everything around us. And so if you can simulate that, in principle, you can figure anything out. Yeah, and I think there's a somewhat of a misconception that you can only simulate quantum properties with a quantum computer. And I think people are starting to realize you could actually probably create a decent simulation using classical computation, right? Yeah, and ironically enough, classical computing of quantum phenomena is something that people are using to help design better quantum computers. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, awesome. I guess on my side, distributed manufacturing, um, if you're not familiar with that, I guess it's not as much deep tech, but it's like a culmination of different things coming together. But the basic premise is that when you order a product, it gets manufactured in a different country and they get shipped to you. But there are a bunch of companies working on things where, you know, you order a product, it gets manufactured down the road and then sent to you. So distributed manufacturing in the sense that people don't even own their own manufacturing or their own factories. It just is a network of these like 10,000, 100,000 different manufacturers. I that could just move to Shenzhen. Yeah, yeah, true. <laughs> But there are some cool companies, and I really want to do an episode around that and lights off manufacturing sort of stuff. So, yeah, that's that's one of mine. Okay, my next would be autonomous labs. Okay. So, you know, when you're working in any kind of chemical space or biological space, there's a lot of lab work that has to get done and a lot of design work. And that means a lot of people bumping into each other in a small lab space. And you've got, you know, all these PhDs who spend a huge amount of their time just perpetting liquids around, which is a total waste of, of their skills. And so, you know, I don't see any reason why in the long term we can't take all of the wet lab work that we do and all of the chemical synthesis that we do and do with robots and then guide it using machine learning algorithms instead of getting, you know, people to do this, which we're notoriously bad at doing and like experiments are inconsistent physical 
conditions and you know hard to reproduce and you know everyone does something slightly differently so whether you could just like program a physical experiment and then feed it into a lab and get the same results out every single time or at least you know consistent results with consistent errors that's very cool so i don't know if you know this about me but i used to work as a lab assistant so i was a when i was doing my physics degree i joined as a junior physicist at a company and 95% 95% of my role was bouncing x-rays off rocks and determining what kind of <laughs> mineral content they had. And literally, that sounds really cool, right? When I pitched to people, they were like, and I was, I was telling them, the actual way I did that was I opened this like microwave-looking thing, put in a rock, closed it, pressed the button, waited 10 seconds, wrote down the mineral content, took it out. Repeat 500 times <laughs> for the day. And I had to make sure painstakingly that the rocks didn't get missed, like, mismatched or put in the wrong location because these companies would pay us like, you know, millions or hundreds of thousands. I don't know. I was just a lab assistant. They paid us a lot of money to do these rocks. And so each rock was like very valuable to us. I had to do it very painstakingly. But to be honest, I won't say what company it was, but towards the end, I was just watching Netflix and just manually moving like a robot. And so I would love something like that. Well, there's a couple of these like automated lab companies that aren't actually automated and they just pay PhD students to just like be mini robots most of the time. And you can tell because you can look at their glass door reviews online and they're all terrible. They're like, don't work here. It's like the most soul crushingly boring job you'll ever do. So that seems like ripe for robots. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) All right, my next one is space debris. So this one's, I don't think it's actually talked about that much, but I think it's really fascinating that we just have a lot of junk in the air, in our atmosphere, and at some point it's going to get so bad that we're just trapped on Earth like a little prison because you have even a little speck of dust that flies around the, the Earth, and if it hits a satellite or something like that, it can really impact our systems, right? And so I met some really cool startups, which we may hopefully maybe even bring on the podcast, that are looking at designing solutions for getting rid of space debris, either very, very small space debris or even getting to the point where they have these like little arms that grab them, pull them in, things like that. So I think that's an interesting space that I'm curious to see what happens over the next 10 years. They've also got people trying to do the opposite, right, where they shoot lasers at the space debris to break it up into such fine dust that it actually becomes not a problem anymore. Yeah. All right, my next one would be ribocomputing, which I must confess I don't know all that much about, but it just sounds really freaking cool. Yeah, I I read that and I I thought that was cool, but I had no idea what it was. So the ribo comes from the same root as R in RNA. So you've got this sort of nucleic acid, this ribonucleic acid that you can inject into different systems, but you can program them to have certain shapes. And then when they recognize other macromolecules in the cell, they change their shape and they unwind. And the next part of the RNA becomes visible, if you will, to the rest of the cell. And then it keeps going like this and you can create these little mini programs. So for example, you could have a piece of RNA that's encoded for a certain protein, but that part that's encoding for that protein is kind of hidden and, and curled up. And then there's this other little tag hanging around that's looking to recognize some different type of protein. And when it sees it, it uncurls. And that makes the RNA code for that new protein available. And so what you can do is you can have these RNA uh, therapies that you inject into a cell that only activate under certain conditions. And so you can have much more personalized medicines and you can do all sorts of kind of interesting, you know, people have started building like NAND gates and like doing addition inside cells just to prove how flexible this, this technology really is. But at the end of the day, what it's about is about being able to detect how much of a therapy does this person really need? Because it differs from person to person, like how much of a protein imbalance you have that's causing a disease. Yeah, and I think that's just really freaking sick. And there's a lot of really cool work coming out of the Weiss Institute around ribocomputing and the different physical designs of RNA and how they they just look fascinating as well. You get these 
these little proteins that have literal legs just kind of walking up the <laughs> RNA and then they get to this little hill and they get confused and they're like, mm, I don't know, I don't know what to do. <laughs> That's so weird. I I would have expected when I read this, it was, so I, from what I understand, what I remember from year 12 biology, which was a while ago, you know, you have a DNA that goes into a ribosome, the ribosome reads it, right, and understands what the nucleotides are saying, right? So it's like either CGAT, CGAT, mm-hmm. And then, like, it takes something out of it. So I was just guessing that you were hacking that system where it's, like, you know, using ribosome to read different things and produce different things, right? Well, so what they're discovering now is that these RNA molecules that you're referring to, there's actually a whole bunch of them that are non-coding. So they don't actually code for RNA. They actually have specific functional roles inside the cell. Is this, like, the exon exon thing? What is it? Like, oh, man. There's, like, parts of the DNA that code for stuff and parts that don't code for it, and there's, like, a name for it, but I can't remember. Oh, exons and introns? No, that's a different thing. Okay, that's different. Okay, cool. Just trying to prove that I know something about this. (laughs) All right, give me your third. My third one is I don't really have a good reason besides the fact that I don't like to drive, so I just want someone to drive for me. So autonomous driving is something I'm just personally pumped about. I really want to see where it goes, and I just want to be one of the first consumers for that space. So if we can learn more about it, or maybe even get to the podcast to the point where, like, you know, all the autonomous driving people want to come on a podcast and give us a free car. You know, that's what I'm excited for. You can you can try my Tesla. Okay. <laughs> okay. Having 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 driven one of these cars, they are super convenient. But I also don't get what the like hype is about for autonomous vehicles. Okay. Can you pitch that to me. Well, I mean, I guess if I could afford a personal driver, then you know, problem solved. But. <laughs> Because one of the things I've heard about is that like once all the cars are autonomous, we won't have that many road accidents anymore. And I'm, I just, I just really don't think that's our biggest problem right now. Well, I think it might be a traffic thing, right? Because traffic, if you look at a highway, is just people stopping and starting at different times. Right, but I like I prefer this other analogy that I heard here, which is just like a super bird's eye thirty thousand view, uh, thirty thousand feet view, which is that you've got three dimensional buildings that people live in and work in, and two dimensional avenues to get between those buildings. You're gonna have traffic. There's no way to fix that. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. I um I actually know someone who's been working on these like traffic models for autonomous cars. So oh. maybe we'll get them on the podcast and we can chat to them about whether it makes sense or maybe maybe his findings were just like, yeah, it makes no difference. Cause I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> I just knew he was doing the project. I didn't know what the actual end result was because I didn't follow up. But I think that'd be a cool thing to to talk about. Yeah, hell yeah, let's do it. So thanks for listening. If you've stuck this far. Well done. I don't I even know where this conversation went. Like it started somewhere and ended up in a completely different place. But hopefully this gives you a bit of an idea of the kind of stuff we're going to be talking about. So if you're interested, follow us on Spotify, iTunes, whatever podcast app that you use. And you should expect to hear from us weekly depending on long schedule. So we'll catch you later. Thank you, everyone.